0: Money, Riches, and Wealth is sponsored by the Financial Consulate.
1: Say, you don't need no direct wings, and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things that money just can't find.
2: I don't care too much for money. Money can buy me enough.
3: This is Talk Radio 680
0: WCBM. Time now for Money, Riches, and Wealth. Here's your host Drew
4: Tignanelli. This is Drew Tignanelli here, Money, Riches, and Wealth. Another Wednesday night, and the co-host tonight is Jackson Courtney. What's your middle name? Do you have one? Yeah, it's it's Alexander. Jackson Alexander Courtney. (laughs) That's very uh, after Alexander uh, the Great. Very proper. What is it after Alexander the Great, or is it just you're saying that? No, I'm just saying that. Okay. I didn't know if your parents were old enough to know Alex himself. <laughs> no, um I think so. anyway. We're here on an hoping show and uh Jackson's gonna be here helping me uh answer your questions. If you want to call and ask a question, four one zero 922-6680 is the way to do that, and it's the early part of the show. That's always the best time to call in and ask your question and get the most uh, assistance, because, you know, normally you just get one, two, three calls in the first hour or half hour, and then boom, the second hour, or half hour comes and everybody's brother wants to call in and ask a question. So now's the time to call in, 410-922-6680. And it's anything dealing with personal finance. You get to direct the conversation, lead the direction of where we're gonna, what we're going to say tonight. We're going to talk about if it's uh, Medicare and Social Security, and then we're going that direction. If you want to call in and say, no, I want to talk about IRAs and Roth," we'll go that direction. You want to talk about taxes and tax planning and... Tax preparation and things to be thinking about and looking out for and trying to do to minimize your taxes will go that way. Estate planning, uh, elder care planning, investments, uh, insurances, auto, home, life, long-term care, whatever. If you want to talk about it, deals with your personal finance, we're here to help you. The purpose of this show is to demonstrate what a true professional financial advisor should do. And too many of you are sitting out there with a professional or with a financial advisor that's charging you a lot of money, and they don't give you this kind of comprehensive advice. And that's what you should be looking for, for whoever you work for, that they can have the depth and the ability to help you with your tax planning, your estate planning, your insurances, and giving you comprehensive advice that is, as best as possible, unbiased. In other words, not selling the product to you also. That's what we try to do on this show, Money, Riches, and Wealth, and demonstrate to you, uh, you know, why. If you have a financial advisor that can't do this and doesn't have the ability to do this, um, then you're you're paying a lot of money for a lot of nothing. Anyway, if you want to call in and, and direct the conversation, 410-922-6680 is the way to call in. Yeah, and Jim, we have Gene. we got some callers, so uh, we can go to Gene in Columbia. Hello. Hey
0: Gene, how are you?
3: Good. My question Go is a different take on Social Security. I've never heard this talked about. Uh, two years ago, uh, everybody who was receiving Social Security got 5.9% raise. This year it was 87 Right? Uh, what about the people who haven't quite retired? How about, I'm trying to counsel. Their benefit some. goes up. In other words, Let's assume a person got a letter from the Social Security estimated that are saying, "Well, if you retire now last September,
4: right? They, get a, they get a new letter that says your your benefits now eight point seven percent higher,
3: whether you're taking it or not. Correct. Okay, all right. Now, I didn't know how to fit that into the mix for my yeah. sister. Who
4: <laughs> I understand
3: she it, wants, but
4: it's a it's a great question. But yes, they all get adjusted uh, future benefits, et cetera. You know they're they're all adjusted accordingly. So yeah, not a not nothing you have to worry about there.
3: Well, except for the system running out of money.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let me. You know what I always say, Gene, is these guys that run the system print the money. Argentina and Russia have never defaulted on their pension plans to their senior citizens, and the United States ain't going to be the first one to do.
3: Well, you know what, i um, This is how Congress deals with everything. They wait to the very last minute. (laughs) That's right. And and they decide to deal with it and and pat themselves on the back. Good job.
4: Yeah, well... You know the Medicare system was going to run amok in uh, nineteen and two thousand and nine or ten, right. and that's when Obama passed some things. And now it's not supposed to run out until late two thousand twenty or something like that. Anyway, it's where it is. We had to go now. Thanks. Good question there, Gene. Thanks, Gene. Thank you. Not to worry about. It. All right. Next, we'll go to Lenny and Carol. Lenny. Hey, Lenny. How are you? Thank
2: you very much for taking my call. Uh, the question is related to taxes so uh, I use to do my our own taxes and it's been simple for the last few years because it's pretty straightforward for my wife and and me this year well I should say last year my father-in-law passed away and uh, my wife and uh, her three siblings established estate because uh, they still, right. are, they still Some house they rent So the rent from the house Comes My wife created a checking account And it comes to my wife's checking account From which she uh, Pays for various m- Maintenance uh, Items On the house So we don't use this as our income But I'm afraid that uh, For taxes Our uh, uh, travel will have to i that'
4: income. Uh, what do you think? Well, it's a very complicated question that you're asking, uh, but if you, you're going to have to hold on with me, Lenny, and I'm going to answer it, but I'm assuming the estate is still open for the okay. father-in-law. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're going to have to hold on for me. I'll explain to you what's going to happen and how that has to happen, and you definitely need tax advice. But right now we've got to take a pause. We'll be right back, Money, Riches, and Wealth. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you will experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time... You experience the difference. All right, we're back, Money, Riches, and Wealth. We're talking to Lenny, and Lenny has a very complicated question. So, Lenny, let me understand this. Your father-in-law died, and he had rental property. Did he have more than one, or did he just have one rental property?
2: Well, actually, it it was his... He owned the house. He didn't rent it at the time. Um, But after he passed, um, the children... um, Rented it it. estate, and they are currently renting the house.
4: And so, how many how many years ago did, did uh, Dad pass away?
2: Uh, my my father-in-law died in December of twenty one.
4: December twenty one. So it's been a little over a year. So the way that it works is your children have to file what's called a fiduciary income tax return for your father's. Rental for the renting of your father's property, and any other interest, dividends, capital gains that he might make on any assets that still sit in his estate, and that rental income would then be uh, take the expenses off of that, and then you would uh, you would uh, distribute through what's called a K one from the fiduciary tax return to all the beneficiaries. So if there are three children, they'd each get a third of whatever net income comes from that. So it's it's not a simple thing. A fiduciary tax return is not easy, um, and that's the legal way that it has to be done.
2: Okay. Um, uh? I've been listening to you for, for many years now. So maybe now would be the time for us to actually... I'll give
4: you a call and, and meet you. No, yeah, we well, we'd, we'd love to talk to you. You know, um, but your main concern right now is to get that uh, estate tax return done because you've only got uh, a little over a month to file a fiduciary tax return. March fifteenth, I believe, is the deadline for fiduciary tax returns, and right. uh, and uh, you got to get that done. So, and then you also need to wrap the estate up and distribute the assets and retitle them. All right, Lenny, I got to run, but great All question, right. thanks, and we'd Lenny. love to hear from you. All right, All next right. we're going to go to uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, are you still there? there? Yeah, I'm here.
0: Hello. Hey, go how you for doing, it, Jeffrey? Hi. So I um, I'd love your show. Thanks for the advice. I got a question regarding the ability to uh, claim a child as a dependent on a parent's tax return. situation is where the child is a full-time student and they have both wages and, uh, interest income. Uh, okay. What are the limitations is, though, it's a little bit advantageous to, uh, claim, uh, the, the child as, as a, uh, as a dependent because of the AOC, um, American Opportunity Credit. Um, uh, so, at what point do they are they not able to be uh, uh, claimed as a dependent? Both in terms of
4: wage. So that's a and that's a use. So let me ask you just a few questions. Number one, the child is under twenty four years of age, right? Yes. They're an undergraduate program, right? Uh, masters. They're in a masters, but they're in. Uh, so they can't get the AOTC, they can't get the American Opportunity Credit, but you're saying they're under 24 years of age, right? Yeah. Or, and they're, yeah. and they're in a master's program. So so the real the real question would be um, if they're under 24 um, and you still provide half of their support. As long, you know, I would say that you would still be able to take them as a dependent if you wanted to. Is your income under four hundred thousand or over four hundred thousand? Below. Below. Okay. And is the child's income above, um, let's call it twenty or thirty thousand dollars, or below? Below. Now I'm saying, okay, it's below. Uh, what is his wages? Ten thousand, five thousand, fifty thousand close to 13 close to 13 so your only benefit of claiming the child is a $500 tax credit that's it that's all you're going to get for claiming that child on your tax return the benefit to the child they could get what's called the lifetime learning credit the lifetime learning credit could be worth up to $2000 okay So you're probably more beneficial to allow him to claim himself. Um, But, you know, I've got to think about that. The lifetime learning credit, I don't know if it's refundable. And if it's not refundable, then it's not of any benefit. They're not going to get the money. They're only going to get the lifetime learning credit, I think. If it's no, it, because it's a non refundable. He has to actually owe the taxes. So it sounds like yes. dad's going to be the better one. But once he turns 24, you can't do this anymore. Once he turns yeah. 24, you can't have more than like $4,500 of income.
0: 24, because that's okay. I, okay, because I ran the numbers both ways and um, didn't seem like the lifetime learning credit worked out either way, but uh, it was two hundred dollars difference in to to claim them as a dependent. Um, and uh, I, I the reason why the spark crash is I really didn't real I uh, did not know this and I um, for a different child and uh, I spent a day uh, in downtown Baltimore uh, chatting with a uh, IRS agent um, being a full well, that's a of, mistake you know, yeah.
4: Now, that, that's a real mistake there, uh, Jeffrey, talking to an IRS agent.
0: Well, I didn't have much of a choice. They uh, they invited me to come and share my information.
4: Oh, there you go.
0: Whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> I want to avoid that.
4: Yeah, I understand. uh... But, you know, I think that uh, you claiming them as a dependent is probably going to be uh, the best, but you got to be careful because any interest income he has will have to be done under the kiddie tax rules, and that's not a simple thing to calculate, you know. So make yeah, sure you're doing it all right, uh, you know. Um, but you're only talking about a few hundred bucks one way or the other, so you know, do whatever is the easiest also.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the kiddie tax is 2300
4: Is that correct? The what? Say that again?
0: The kiddie tax limit.
4: Is that $2,300? The, the, the unearned income is uh, the first, I think it's $1,100 or so is tax-free, and anything above that to like another 1100 is taxed to the kid. So you're right. It's about twenty two or 2300 that it would be taxed to the child. Above that is when it starts flowing to the parent.
0: Right, and the child's rate is less than the parents rate,
4: generally speaking. Sure, sure. All right, great question. I mean, you're oh. talking about, I, I, you know, I should know those things right off the top, but, I, you know, they get so confusing. Which refundable, which one's not, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. Anyway, great question, yeah. Jeffrey. I
0: appreciate that. Yeah, the, 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 I'm actually calculating them I use software for, but I do want to make sure I don't um, make, the wrong mis- make a mistake about that. Claiming it depends on
4: where I really can't because that's the software it doesn't quite cover apparently. Yeah, well, as long as it's under twenty four, you're good to go. So, uh, all right, well, all right, Jeffrey, take care. Thanks, Jeffrey. Mike in Baltimore, J-Corton, uh Jackson. How you doing? Hey, Mike, good. how are you? All right, how you doing? Good. good. Go Hopefully ahead and ask you. your question.
2: Yeah, I have a quick question regarding Roth IRA. Yeah. Um, I have. Uh, I'm. 64, and I wanted to know if I start a Roth IRA, would I have to wait the mandatory five years to get the tax-free withdrawal?
4: Um, sort of yes and no. So let's look at it this way, Mike. Anyone who has the ability to do a Roth IRA should do it. Forget the five-year rule, it's a, but it's a trivial thing, Okay. Okay. So let's say let's say Mike that you put the 7000 into your Roth IRA for 2022. Okay? okay? And 2 years from now in 2024 you say I need that money. Okay? You can take the $7000 Roth contribution back 100% tax free. What okay. you can't touch tax free is the earnings and growth of that $7,000 until you've had an IRA, just one IRA, established for more than five years. That's the simple thing about the five-year. Forget it. It's trivial. You're not going to need that extra little bit of money that that $7,000 is going to make. And if you do, you've got bigger problems than waiting for the five-year rule.
2: Okay. Okay.
4: All right, so just do it, man. Everybody should be doing it.
0: Okay, thank you. (laughs) All right, right. thanks, Mike.
4: You know, that's the key to the Roth, uh, Jackson. We're running out of time for this segment. I hope uh, Kathy uh, holds on for us. We're on an open show, 410-922-6680. If you want to call and ask a question, we're on an open show, 410-922-6680.
0: Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680
4: WCBN. We're back, Money, Riches, and Wealth, and uh, we're here on an open show. So if you want to call in and ask your question, 410-922-6680, 410-922-6680. We only have one caller online. We're going to go to Kathy in a minute. So uh, plenty of lines open. I guess everyone took my advice, like Jackson said, and uh, called in early And now we're going to sit here at the end of the show with nobody to talk to. So uh, call in now if you want to, 410-922-6680. But I want to go back to uh, Mike's question about the Roth real quick, Jackson. And he's talking about the five-year rule on Roth. Anybody who brings up the five-year rule on Roth IRAs as if it's a big deal, they don't know what they're talking about. Run as fast as you can away from them because the five-year rule is a trick. Trivial role in the sense of Ross, in my opinion, you do always have to be cognizant of it, of course. But remember, it only has to deal with the interest, dividends, and growth. The contributions always can come out, and in five years, unless you hit the lottery of some sort, you know, you buy, you know, that stock at ten and it goes to two hundred dollars a share in five years chances are you're not going to need the interest dividends and growth in the first 5 years of the of the stock you, you may want the contributions back but you don't have to, you know you're not going to need the the earnings interest and growth and remember when you do your first Roth IRA the minute 5 years is up you know you never have to worry about the 5 year again so somebody in 1998 who put $100 into a Roth IRA and never put another nickel into a Roth since 1998 fulfilled the, the five-year rule in 2003. So, you know, don't let anybody use the five-year rule as if it's a an obstacle, some, like some difficult thing to overcome. It is right. trivial, in my opinion. Anyway, let's go to Kathy in Parkville. Hey, Kathy, how can we help you today?
5: Hi. Um, I have a house. I've been living in a house, but... My house burnt down a little over two years ago, and I'm living in my mother's house. But okay. my mother passed away about six years ago, and we're selling the house. And me and my sister will will split the proceeds. Can since I've lived in my mother's house over two years, can I get away with not paying capital gains on it when the house is sold?
4: Um, where do you keep your driver's license? What address? My house. house. The one that burned down? Yes. What address did you file your income tax return at?
5: Last year at my house. I haven't filed mine this year yet.
4: Where do you vote? Do you vote based on the address of your house that burned down or your mother's house? The house that burned down. Uh, You know, it's... uh, You're going to have to talk to your tax preparer on that one. You know, because physically you did live in the house, but you didn't treat it as your personal residence. You treated your house that burned down as your personal residence. But, you know, I see your point that you're making. You know, you did live in it for two years. Um, but unfortunately you didn't treat it as your personal residence. Now, the good news is that you got to step up in basis on the house that you inherited from mom, but I bet that what that was worth six years ago as compared to what it's worth today has been relatively significant appreciation. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, the answer to your question is this complicated, and you need to talk to your tax preparer. (laughs) <laughs> okay. That's the best thing I can say, because I understand your point. You lived in it. It was your residence, okay? But you treated your house that was burned down as your residence, where your driver's license was, where you voted from, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, um, I, I can see your point, though. I I could make a case for you, but that's something that you and whoever files your tax return is going to have to make a decision
5: on. <laughs> You file my tax return.
4: (laughs) Oh, great. Thank you. (laughs) Well, remind me to talk to you about that one. (laughs) Okay. All right. You take care. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Next, we're going to go to Sean in Eastern Shore. Hey, Sean, how are you? for that one. (laughs) Hey, how are you doing? Uh, Sean, how are you doing?
2: So my question is, how long, because I've heard all kinds of stories, do you have to keep your IRS? tax records?
4: Um, You know, that's an incredibly complicated question. I always tell people maximum three years, Um, but there's quirky little things occasionally that you may need to keep a tax return forever, okay? Um, For example, let's say you do rental properties, okay? Um, You know, you may need to keep that tax return to uh, always have record of what your um, depreciation schedule is. Now, that depreciation schedule should flow from year to year, but let's say that you stopped renting it in 2012. You know, do you just discard that? You know, you didn't sell the property, but you just stopped renting it, you know, but you still need all that depreciation information from 2012. So the simple answer to your question is three years. But there are quirky so, things that can happen. Go ahead.
2: Right, so I work, I work for somebody else, so I get the W-2, and, and so I don't have any rental properties. And uh, I've had maybe two or, one or two years of uh, cap, uh, capital gains. But that Three general. years.
4: Three years, and if you have somebody else do your tax return for you, technically you don't need any. Any Like the lady you just called before, she says, I do her tax return. She doesn't need to keep a single return back to 1990 when we started to electronically file our tax returns. And I mean, not electronically file, but electronically record our tax returns. We can come up with every single tax return that client has. So... You, the answer to your question is three years max, my friend. Um, and if you have somebody else doing your return, you you don't even need to keep those.
2: Understood. Thanks for your time. I love your show. All
4: right. Good question. Thanks, Sean. Sean. That's a great question because there's all kinds of quirky things that can happen. You know, if you uh, when uh, when you do a tax return that you might need that return, uh, but they're almost impossible to to just to, to, to Say, here's 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 the returns that we're going to worry about, it, you know, that we might need to keep for a lot longer. Right. Anyway, Jackson, we're on an open show, 410-922-6680, 410-922-6680, if you want to call and ask a question. And lines are completely open. Jackson, yeah. what are you doing, man? Well, you know, I was just going to say it's, uh, it's nice to be 24 and I only have one tax return to worry about so far. Yours. That's right. Yeah, well, we're going to work on that one, you know. I'm going to make you responsible for all the tax returns next (laughs) year. How's that sound? That sounds great. Anyway, do you have a question, Jackson? If nobody else is calling in, we'll take your question. If you want to call in so I don't have to answer Jackson's question, 410-922-6680 and direct the conversation tonight like uh, like Jean and Lenny and Jeffrey and Mike and Kathy and Sean have done, you know, you might have something that you want to talk about, 410-922-6680. Yeah. Yes, Jackson. Well, I think we have a lot of uh, callers calling about rental income. And um, I was just going to ask, uh, you know, what are the biggest mistakes that you see when, when people are, are filing for their tax return and uh, they do have rental income? Well, the biggest one, of course, is uh, thinking they can do it themselves because I'll tell you, even as a professional, rental income uh, tax returns are not easy to do because of all the depreciation schedules and everything that needs to be dealt with, and then when you liquidate the property and so forth. These are very sophisticated parts of the tax law, and there is no software program that handles them really exceptionally well. But you know let me let me give you a different take on your question with rental properties because I get a lot of clients asking about rental properties and and wanting to get I just had one today actually I got a client who's sixty uh, about sixty years old her and her husband. And they were saying, you know, hey, we're thinking about buying into rental property as just an extra retirement income source. And, uh, you know, one one of the best things you can do is rental real estate. One of the worst things you can do is rental real estate. You say, how can it be both? And it, it, it is. It's absolutely both, especially as you're older. And I'll explain that when we come back from a break. But we're on an open show. We'd love to answer your question. Four one zero nine two two six six eight zero. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical, and you will experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling four one zero eight two three save four one zero eight two three save, or go online financialphysical dot com. That's financialphysical dot com. It's time. You experience the difference.
3: Now back
0: to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBL.
4: All right, we're back. Money, Riches, and Wealth. We're on an open show tonight. We got Gary and Ed on the line. We're gonna to go to you in a second. But I have to answer the uh, question that I brought up a second ago, rental real estate. Uh, how can it be one of the best things you do and one of the worst things you do? And the answer is very simple. Is real estate, rental real estate, chosen wisely, can be an excellent investment, can prove to be an excellent investment. But why could it be one of the worst also? And the answer is, is because it's a full-time job. And if something goes wrong, it can really be devastating, especially if you use borrow money to uh, buy that rental real estate. But it is a full time job. I just want, you know, I I hear these people come on the radio talking about, you know, do real estate. It's so, you know, wonderful and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, be realistic about it. Tell them the truth. and, And, you know, being a landlord is not an easy thing. I'd say. I'd say 95% of all my clients that have gone out to buy rental real estate within five years have looked to sell that rental real estate because they just couldn't handle the business orientation of being a landlord and all the problems that come up, and all the things that have to be dealt with, and even when you have a, a, a real estate manager, somebody else, you're paying them a lot of money to take care of those, and they see that there's not a lot of profitability in the deal after they bring in the real estate manager, and then you got the last problem is as you get older and you're not able to handle this. Telling your children that they now have to step in and be the landlord in your place. <laughs> that isn't, that isn't a wise decision. So, you know, real estate is a fantastic investment, but go into it with your eyes open and the reality that it is a full-time job. It's a business that has to be thought out like a business. Anyway, let's go see Gary and, and let's rock and roll, rock Jackson. Okay. Ready? Hey, Gary, how are Hello. you?
1: How are you doing today? Great. What's up? I listen to your show a lot, so I have a question for you. Yep. Uh, I was working for a company like 20-some years, and I got hurt on the job, so I haven't worked in almost two years. So I had my 401, which I took money out and did this, did that, but I still had uh, like, uh, well, $80,000 in there. So, but they, while I'm, not wasn't working they changed to another company well the company i was with i was happy with because i never ever had a problem and when it got down there where i got older and older i said look i don't care if i make any money i do not want to lose a nickel well they moved over to another company and i called when i called and checked with them i said look i had the thing set up with them i don't want to lose any money well since i've been with them I've lost about $15,000, so I'm thinking about just stopping it, get my money out, or do what I have to do.
4: And what you need to do, Gary, is you need to uh, contact somebody like uh, Schwab or Fidelity and roll the money in your current 401k over to an IRA with Schwab or Fidelity and tell them to just put it into um, you know, a CD or something like that. And that way, you're, and right now you're making like four and a half to five percent on a CD. So that's what you need to do. Do not take the money out. You're going to have to pay taxes on that money that's left over, and it could easily cost you thirty thousand in taxes. So, so be wise and roll it over to an IRA and control the investments yourself. And right now, CDs are a great option for a guy like you. All right.
1: Okay, like I said, don't really need the money right now. Because, uh, you know,
4: contact Schwab or Fidelity and tell them to help you roll the money out and put it into a CD with them, okay?
1: I appreciate all your help. I might come see you about another problem. I have About I have a lot of stuff tied up in money. Maybe I'll come out and start up a meeting with you.
4: All right. Well, we'd always appreciate that, Gary. You take care, my friend.
5: You have a great day. Thank, Thank
4: you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, James, how are you?
5: Hey man, uh, listen, uh, my son, bless his soul, uh, he's like in his mid twenties and he kind of had a business that failed recently and, uh, so he had declared bankruptcy and the bankruptcy is about to be, uh, apparently concluded in the courts. Okay. Uh, the, amount, the amount he's, uh, you know, out for would be about 50000 So we're not talking about millions, okay? Uh, but it's about fifty, and he he needs to kind of start over again now he he he's he's started doing some work and he's making a little money now, not a lot but he he uh as of the end of, of uh, last year, he had about maybe uh somewhere between five and ten thousand of, of money that that he's told folks, please don't pay me yet because uh it, it, you know um i i I, I don't want to lose it in the bankruptcy you know. So, I mean, that's what his logic is, and I'm not sure if it's good logic or not, but, you know, um, he, he said, you know, uh, the 50000 if they know I got another five, ten thousand, 10000 they may just take that right away, put it towards the bankruptcy, and all the money you just gave me, I'm not going to see it anyway. So he said, let the bankruptcy run its course. It's, it's going to be finished pretty soon, apparently in a month or so, is what the... Uh, they say to him, the, uh, I guess through the, through the attorney, the courts approve it or something, and then it'll all be done. And then, then he said at that point he, he told his clients, um, "I'll I'll let you know, and then you know go ahead and go ahead and pay me then. At least I'll be able to have the money to get get started on life. Is he is he thinking right, or, or can do they sometimes go back after a bankruptcy and kind of look and make sure that nobody's,
4: you know i mean you know your your point is well taken that you know if the bankruptcy court knew that he had money still coming in or owed that he wasn't reporting to the bankruptcy court that could be a real problem um but if he can get through this and and be able to prove honestly that um, you know, or be able to, you know, sleep at night saying that I didn't have any assets and I wasn't deserved any assets, then, you know, it's it is what it is. Um so, you know, I, I think in a bankruptcy as small as his I wouldn't be overly worried about it. I don't think anybody's doing any investigative homework on him. Um so, you know, I would uh I would just discourage him from trying not to trying to pull the wool over the bankruptcy's court's eyes and uh, you know play games, I would just kinda lay low until the bankruptcy's over and then start doing business again and getting cash rolling back in.
5: Oh okay, so maybe better to just not even take some jobs for a couple months till it all finishes up, huh?
4: Something like yeah, that. I mean, you know, it's good to you know, get this thing over and not have anything that you're you're hiding from the bankruptcy court, you know. So, he, but he's absolutely right that if he if they paid him that money and the bankruptcy court knew about it, then yeah, they would be able to say, hey, wait a minute, you got another five thousand dollars here, you know. Um, now they would allow him to keep some of it to uh, pay his taxes and to pay his living expenses. So that is a given. So if it's not a lot of money, nobody's going to worry about it.
5: Oh, uh, thank you. That, that's kind of what he was thinking. He said, "I don't have other money coming in."
4: Well, they has. do. You know, if he had, if he makes five thousand, he has to pay two thousand or so in taxes. So their bankruptcy court's down to three thousand. They got to let him have enough money to make ends meet on a day-to-day basis. So you know, chances are. It's not going to be enough to, that they would worry about anyway, if we're talking about that small sum of money.
5: Right. Now, if right? 5000 for the year, he doesn't really owe. You know, he's below the income limit, not for the, uh, you know, for uh, federal income tax. That, and that, that right. Level, that yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that would be well. No, uh, self employment income is subject to FICA tax, fifteen point three percent. It doesn't matter whether you make a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars; they still want their fifteen point three percent. Oh, so he he
5: would uh, okay. So I could tell him to be ready to pay
4: that. Yeah, you know, you ever notice that if you went to take a part time job, James, and you worked at Home Depot and you made eight thousand bucks, they still take Social Security and FICA out of you. Yeah, they're um, it's uh, Social Security and FICA are you know pernicious. That's so how, a good word for it.
5: Again? how much of those again, please?
4: Thank when you. you're self-employed, it's fifteen point three percent.
5: Uh, Oh, that's
4: right, half.
5: Otherwise, if you're employed someone else, they pay half. They pay
4: half half, and you pay half. But when you're your employer and employee, you get to pay both, you know. (laughs) I got to run, Jim. Great question. Excellent question, you know. I appreciate you calling in and asking. Jackson, we're out of time, my friend. I know. I, I guess I'll just have to come back soon. Yeah, I really always enjoy because look at that. We had a great list of callers when you're here. You and Leo do a great job. And I don't know about Mike and Chris, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Drew Tignanelli saying God bless. Thanks for having me, Drew. Take care. <laughs>